Welcome to Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Today's episode will pick up part two of the conversation with Dr. Willie Underwood and our esteemed panelists, talking about how physicians can get involved with Medicare payment reform. Panelists include Dr. G. Ray Callis, President-elect of the Texas Medical Association, Katie Orico, Senior Vice President of Health Policy and Advocacy at the American Association of Neurological Surgeons and Congress of Neurological Surgeons, and Todd Askew, Senior Vice President of Advocacy at the AMA. If you missed part one of this series, I encourage you to go back and give it a listen. And be sure to subscribe to Moving Medicine on your favorite podcast platform. Here's Dr. Underwood. So how can physicians get involved? Dr. Callis, we'll start with you and then uh, move to Katie and then Todd. Thanks, Dr. Underwood. Well, first thing physicians need to do is to make sure that they know their legislator. And I'm not talking about just know them uh, by name. I'm talking about know them and getting in contact with them and make sure that you put information of your information in front of them and let them know that not only are you a physician, but you're also an American that takes care of a lot of Americans and that I would give them your phone number, your email. I'd contact them any way I possibly could. Uh, you got to get involved. We can no longer sit in our offices and just hope things are going to get better because I'm telling you, they will not. Um, I will tell you, we have the power. We have the influence to make a difference, but we have to take action. Action is nothing more if you don't use the words behind it. Just like when we were uh, educating our kids, we wouldn't tell them, you have to use your words. Let's use our words and let's talk to legislators. Both the AMA and TMA and the medical resource centers that we have gives you everything a physician needs in order to make you successful, to be a strong voice for our profession and for the patients that we deserve to take care of. And physicians need to use every resource they possibly can to get involved, get involved, get involved. And also, guess what? Guess who your biggest involvement should be? Educate your patients. Every single patient deserves to make that phone call to a legislator because guess what? Not only do you touch the lives of one, you touch the lives of many. And guess what? If you tell your patient, hey, Miss Smith, I might not be able to take care of you anymore in local little small community of Texas or in Massachusetts, or in California. doesn't matter because I can't afford to stay open. That shocks and awe patients because of that commitment that you've given them throughout their whole life. And now you're going to abandon them because the government's abandoning them? I think it's totally wrong. Let's use our allies and our assets. If we're going to win this war, let's use our patients as well. Educating our patients and getting them to talk for us is powerful than you will ever think. We use it all the time in the great state of Texas. And I highly recommend with Todd's leadership and, and Dr. Underwood and Katie, I think you going up to the Hill and being the physician discussing this is a lot louder than if Todd's doing it or if Katie's doing it, because guess what? We live and breathe and we take care of a lot of Americans as a group. And you know what? I'm going to tell you what I tell people in the state of Texas. I'm tired of you saying somebody else will take care of it. You need to take care of it. You need to be responsible for this because guess what? We all took the same oath and guess what? We all take care of the same patients. So I'm committing my state. I'm committing myself that we'll continue to do that. I want everybody else on this call to do the same thing. It's now time to put up or shut up and let's lead. Physicians need to lead. 
Put up a setup, baby. Put up a setup. Yes, sir. Katie, what do you think? Well, it's hard to, that's a tough act to follow. <laughs> uh, very evangelical. But, uh, you know, I, I agree. Look, the fact of the matter is physicians as a profession are really highly regarded at the top of the, you know, the 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 polls in terms of their uh, their opinion being valued by the public and by policymakers in Washington, D.C. and in the state capitals. So uh, you, you already got that going for you. Now you just have to do what Dr. Cowell said. You have to act on that. You need to take advantage of that. You know, you you want those members of Congress to have your cell phone number and be calling you. You've got to build those relationships. I mean, the minimum physicians can do is when they get a grassroots alert from the AMA or one of their state or medical specialty societies, it it, it we make it so easy for you. All you generally have to do is click, you know, put your name in and click send. We've got draft letters that are already ready for you. So that's the minimum you can do. I mean, you need to meet with them. And coming to D.C. is fine every year at an annual fly-in or at something like the National Advocacy Conference. But you really need to you need to meet them at home where they live. All politics is indeed local. So you're know, getting to know them back at the district and in your state and showing up more than just once a year. Uh, there are other ways you can participate in a town hall meetings and and raise these issues in those in those forums. And that actually is helpful because it gets the other constituents who aren't physicians to be party to that conversation uh, involving your patients. Like you said, Dr. Callis, um, we you know, I don't know, we'll get into this a little bit, but, you know, there's a lot writing an op ed, um, you know, making yourself uh, present on social media. I mean, all of these things are steps that physicians and and their patients hopefully can take to raise awareness. It it is, it, it was remarkable when we got the SGR passed, uh, reform passed, uh, repeal passed. That you know we were talking in acronyms SGR this SGR that nobody knew what we were talking about early on. But with sustained, ongoing, year after year, day after day advocacy and and the voice of physicians being heard on Capitol Hill and beyond that. I mean, I could watch a cable news show and I heard SGR mentioned, you know, someone in a grocery store met their member of Congress. And he said, oh, I'm getting that SGR fix. I mean, we need to get the same level of awareness and, and that will help us get across the finish line because uh, that's what happened the last time we had to go through this with the SGR repeal. And I know we can do it, but it's going to take all the physicians working together, driving the same messages home and engaging at every level that they can uh, with their physicians. Now, one final note, I realize this is a policy discussion to a certain extent, but I think it's also important for physicians to get more involved in the political process. And you need to be uh, attending fundraisers, contributing to your members of Congress, creating those opportunities to uh, engage in the conversation and demonstrating your activity as an advocate for your, your practice and your patients. And that is another essential component. So giving to AMPAC, giving to your state PAC, giving to your, your national PAC, giving to your the candidates that are, are running for office and, and lawmakers is another important piece of this puzzle. Todd. No, I think that's exactly right. Talk to your pay. I mean, I have nothing to add to that. That's that's two very comprehensive answers. I agree. Well said. Katie, 
Why is it important for physicians across the specialties and states to be involved in these efforts? And you may have already answered this, but I'm going to hit you with it again, let you go a little in deep, a little depth there. How do physicians voice influence efficacy efforts in organized medicine? Well, yeah, I mean, I think we've generally covered that question uh, to a certain extent, uh, Dr. Underwood. But I mean, I think that, you know, it goes without saying, you know, and I know people like to say this, if you're, you know, not at the table, you're on the menu. You know, there are a lot of different ways to express apathy, uh, the effects of apathy, the effects of not being there. But look, we are one industry that is up on Capitol Hill clamoring for relief, including, you know, finance, you know, money from a, a, a fixed pot uh, uh, that's available uh, for, for, for these kinds of initiatives. And so it is absolutely essential that Congress hear from physicians. Otherwise, you know, they don't hear much from us. They'll say, well, I guess they're not really hurting that much, or uh, uh, we'll just we'll just reallocate those available funds maybe to the hospitals or to the managed care companies or, you know, pharma or some other, other place. And so we need to be there so we're heard and that and we're taken seriously and so i think it's it's absolutely essential again for physicians to get involved with their state and, and, and national specialty societies, respond to grassroots alerts, um, you know, keep up on what's happening. Uh, and, and, and those that amount of effort will, you know, when multiplied by the 1.2 million or whatever you said, Dr. Underwood, the number is now, will speak volumes and it will be heard. Um, and I think that, you know, look, you know, participating in the AMA House of Delegates process and and your own state and specialty policy making uh, 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 processes is a way to get involved more broadly. But we really need uh, a grassroots push uh, from physicians across the country to really to really uh, get this across the finish line. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna summarize this in the, the words of Dr. Callis. We got to put up a shut up. And it's time for us to put up, right? So, because they've been telling us to shut up. So let's come together. Let's make it happen. Let's get this going. So here's a question. I believe Medicare payment reform will require a coalition of efforts, including the AMA, state medical specialties, national specialties society, and county medical societies to engage non-AMA physicians and their patients. Is this being considered as part of the advocacy strategic plan? Let me let me start with that. Obviously, our advocacy and grassroots or efforts are open to all physicians. FixMedicare.org, FixMedicareNow.org, uh, that is available to everybody who wants their voice to be heard in this conversation. In terms of working with the states and the specialties, yes, 100%. We do that every day. Katie Rico's office is just literally 50 yards from where I am, and she is engaged in our work all the time, along with all the representatives of the states and specialties. We come together on quarterly calls. We also have letters and communications to the Hill because the strength that the AMA brings to this is the collective strength of all of medicine, not just AMA, but the College of Neurological Surgeons is the Texas Medical Association. It is everybody's voices coming together. And when we send our communication, we come up with our consensus statements. When we come up with legislation that we can all get back together, they know they're not just talking to the AMA. They're talking to a broad coalition of physician organizations 
who are all united with that same goal of producing and enacting a more sustainable uh, payment system. It is never going to be just one organization gets it done. It's going to be all of us working together. You know, if I can jump in just real quick on that, too, just to amplify that, there are a lot of issues that can divide us. And even within this issue, there are a few little side issues that that tend to divide us. And that's because of that budget neutrality problem. But aside from that, I think when we are working all on the same song sheet and we're we're pushing together, we really are able to accomplish things. It doesn't all mean under the auspices of the AMA or 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 another group, we can all be talking and using and leveraging our unique uh, position within our specialty or within our state to punch through. So, for example, for the past three years, um, the surgeons got together and we formed something called the Surgical Care Coalition. Um, it wasn't, you know, to do something that it, it was in furtherance of the same messaging that everybody was 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 speaking uh, uh, to at the time about how we needed to reform Medicare, et cetera. But we we had our own unique, you know, sort of context for that conversation. So I think there are those opportunities for the specialty states, county medical associations as well. To, to 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 band together with what may be their unique perspective uh, on the same issue, but saying the driving the same message of reform home, and I think that's where our collaboration across the federation has really been quite spectacular because we've been able to to really you know zero in on those 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 uh, messages that resonate with all of our physicians and our physician organizations uh, in service of the of the goal. Well said. You know, I'm listening to this and I'm saying, listen, there isn't a physician practice, right? Whether you're in private practice, large group independent practice, employing physician in academics, non-academic settings, venture capitalists, that isn't impact by this. And I think Dr. Callis said this, Ray back, Katie backed it up. And um, Todd added to this as well. So we're all impacted as whether you're a member of the AMA or not, a member of your state specialty society or not. And if you're not, then you should be. Join it. Let's get it. Let's deal with this together because it impacts all of us, right? Medicine doesn't stand still and neither do we. AMA members don't just keep up with medicine, they shape its future. Help move medicine, join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. So having said that, as physicians' workforce continue to be stressed on increased practice expenses, annual reduction in clean claims rate, and reduced employee retention rates, how can independent or small practitioner groups survive without a predictable reimbursement? I'd like to take that first and foremost. Um, like I said before, Dr. Underwood, I'm a private practice physician uh, working many hours taking care of Southeast Texas. And, you know, Texas medicine is based on a lot of independent practices and small group practices. But, the, but I'm talking to, to America. I will tell you that the biggest two words that this whole problem that we're facing is practice viability. If we do not correct this, 
practice viability is threatened with the big noose around our neck. The reason why this is important, every morning when I wake up, I look at this piece of paper. It's from a colleague of mine that has been taking care of Texas Medicare patients for 25 years. She closed her doors this past year due to the fact that she could not afford to keep her clinic open. When I'm telling you, I get emotionally than reading this because it's like reading a letter from your grandmother who tells you how they wish they had more money to give to their grandkids so their grandkids could buy a cute outfit for a party or for an event for the holidays. But, you know, my problem is, is that who's talking for the Medicare patients if it's not us? So um, being independent, it comes with a lot of responsibility, but the one responsibility physicians shouldn't have to deal with is payment responsibility when we're dealt with a hand that is completely a losing hand. And, and I just challenge everyone to go back home and talk to your colleagues. I'll tell you right now, I agree with what Todd said, what Katie said, what Dr. Underwood said. I have many physicians in the state of Texas that aren't TMA members, Texas medicine member. I know a lot of my friends that aren't even AMA members, but the one thing we all are members of, we're a member of the physician community. And our physician community should be based on taking care of all patients, all patients. But if you can't do that to have practice viability and sustainability, we're hurting Americans. And the reason why we're hurting Americans is because the government didn't want to make it right to make you your, your, your burden less. Because I agree with Todd said, and it's echoing to me right now. If we didn't have to worry about this stuff that we're dealing with related to payment, we can move on to bigger and better things and make America a better, safer place based on morbidity and mortality too, instead of us having to fight this every freaking day in order for us to maintain practice viability. So I'll be quiet, Dr. Underwood, but, but you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, I, like I said, I, I want to encourage all physicians to come together and let's be one voice and talk about this. It's very vital. Next question. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that comment, boom, like many other comments, uh, you know, hit a home run and hopefully it resonates uh, with, you know, with everyone out there. So have we explored other avenues uh, to advocacy? In other words, what are we planning differently uh, with this advocacy attempt? Well, I don't agree entirely with the premise that, that we have not been successful. We were successful in enacting MACRA and MIPS. Uh, that was $140 billion invested in the Medicare physician payment system uh, after a lot of work by, by a lot of folks. It was implemented in a way that was a complete failure. It was implemented in a way that did not present the opportunities that were promised for physicians to to take advantage of new ways to deliver care and to benefit financially from healthier patients mean healthier bottom line. And so, so that was unfortunate. And we are where we are. I would say most physicians don't even realize that in 2021, Medicare had scheduled a 10% cut, 10% budget neutrality adjustment. And medicine came together and stopped that cut. And what we're seeing today is just the cuts we've seen in the last two years is Congress kind of taking back a little bit of the bonus money that they gave each time to put us back where we would have been, you know, three years ago. And that's a heavy lift. But that is what distracts us, having to fight this fight every year and stop this 3% cut, stop this 4% cut, instead of focusing on the big payment reform. 
you know, what it took to be successful last time was when they came us with a fix for a 20% Medicare cut from SGR, we said, no. We said, you know what will happen if you implement these cuts, but we're not going to validate this process anymore. And Congress was forced to come up with the with a solution. Um, and it may be that's what it takes this time. So the main thing is for us to maintain unity. We have a good plan. We have strong support. We have some champions on Capitol Hill. The strongest champions we have on Capitol Hill, and Dr. Callis will understand this, are those that have provided care to patients, Democrats and Republicans. The physicians on Capitol Hill get it. And when their colleagues on the Hill go and ask, is this really an issue? You know, they're there answering, absolutely it is. And we got the solution. And so I think we just need to maintain unity uh, and keep fighting. I know it doesn't feel like, <laughs> it doesn't feel really good when, hey, guess what? You only got a 2% cut last year instead of a 4% cut. That is not sustainable. And we understand that 100%, but we just need to keep unified, keep pressing on. We know where we need to be. We know what the goal line is. We know what the solution is. And so I think we're on the right track. Right. So along those lines, so will the AMA be doing a public information campaign on behalf of physicians to notify patients that unless the pay cuts are reversed, they can expect further decreases in the level of quality of services they will receive? Well, I mean, I think Dr. Callis uh, alluded to to that as a as the one important thing to do is to talk to your patients about these challenges. Talk to your patients about what um, what uh, these uh, cuts and what this payment system is doing to the Medicare program and and your ability to continue to uh, participate in the Medicare program. Um, the resources are there for physicians to use. Uh, we are pushing those out. The number one thing we've pulled this. We're not just making this up. We've asked seniors. Uh, through uh, extensive research, what's the most important thing? And it's not, well, my doctor needs to get paid more. It's not, it is stability in the program. And on your and their physicians are the ones that can tell them that this annual fight, this annual threat, this long-term challenge to the fiscal viability of physician practices is what puts the stability of the Medicare program uh, at risk. And Dr. Callis said, almost said the exact words we heard from patients when they were polled. They said, I worked for this my whole life. I worked for this access to care and I deserve to continue to have it. And so all physicians need to work to make sure the patients understand that that, that is what is at risk here. Uh, Dr. Underwood, I'd agree with Todd. I just want to put one thing out there that I encourage all the other states and, and especially societies to do. Uh, at our last uh, meeting uh, with the Board of Trustees, uh, we came out with push cards, not push cards for physicians, but push cards about fixing Medicare to the physicians' offices that we're distributing and letting them put in their offices. I think uh, we, we've been very successful with that related to scope of practice. And I think that we're going to be very successful getting our patients, calling our legislators and letting them know. It's a simple card. You want to make it very easy to read. Self-explanation, very simple, and we give them a phone number on the back. I mean, it's very simple, and I think that I would encourage us to look at some avenues like that where you hit home, and home is where the physician lives, where they're taking care of these Medicare patients. You know, if I could just um, add, because I know there, you know, in terms of um, are we doing anything different or what, what, what are some of the things we're doing, just to amplify a little bit what Todd said, you know, 
your professional advocates like like Todd and I can go up and and even on the grassroots level you can you can you can contact your congressman um and and have those relationships but it, unless you have the sort of secret member of congress handshake you know you're not in the room and and you're not the one that really controls the power and 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 so we are fortunate we're beyond fortunate and when you start looking at some of our signature pieces of legislation that 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 we're working on in medicine there's one common theme and that is the members of congress who are now elected officials in congress are our biggest champions on the inside. And so, you know, it's Dr. Bouchon, a former uh, cardiothoracic surgeon from Indiana, Dr. Ruiz, an emergency physician from California, Dr. Burgess, a former OB-GYN from, uh, from Texas, and, and the list goes on. And they have been consistently our partners in these and other issues, like prior off, I know that's not the topic of today's uh, uh, conversation, but uh, it's really important, uh, uh, and, and that's part of our strategy, is to really engage with those physician members of Congress who can tell those stories and, and convey the messages in, behind closed doors where we do not have access. And so that is something that we have really been, I think, leaning into as a community to, to leverage um, those those um, those relationships and to help empower those individuals um, to help uh, fix these problems. Medicine doesn't stand still, and at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. These are some very, very important points. And we're now coming down to what may be the last question. Also, Medicare Advantage programs are not paying bills and are requiring prior authorization and still not paying in Southern California. And so hospitals and practices are no longer going to take these programs, which leaves patients at risk. How can we address this? Is it okay if I jump in? Please. Okay. So, um, you know, now, uh, you know, for the for the first time this year, Medicare Advantage plans uh, took care of or had more Medicare enrollees than traditional Medicare. So, Medicare Advantage is here; it's not likely to go away. I think the good news is the spotlight is on Medicare Advantage right now. Um, Congress, uh, in fact, MedPAC uh, today on its agenda had a couple hours of looking at Medicare Advantage in, ter in terms of you know, how they get paid uh, because Medicare Advantage got a pretty steep increase this year and they're getting another one next year. Um, what they're doing to delay and deny care through prior authorization, which is uh, really uh, harming patients and 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 jeopardizing good patient outcomes. Uh, so the good news is it's not going uh, unlost on Congress. Uh, several leaders uh, in Congress, um, Chairman Wyden and the Senate Finance Committee and others, as well as our physician leaders who are are leading the charge on prior auth reform, are 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 aware that these are are problems. And so I think. 
uh, you know, we have to walk and chew gum at the same time. And so we are monitoring all of this. We're, we're working with Congress uh, to tr- and the regulators to try and hold Medicare Advantage plans accountable. And so I think uh, it, another bipartisan um, uh, issue mm-hmm. is to really look to make sure that MA is serving the needs of all these seniors. And so, um, you know, it's it to be continued, but it is something that, again, that the physician community writ large, including the AMA, state and specialty societies are collaborating on. Just to add what Katie said, I think what we're seeing over the last year or two, and in fact, this year we were actually seeing some hospitals and some large physician groups walking away from MA plans because of some of these problems. Anybody who had it in the back of their mind that MA because everybody was just going to join an MA plan that we could just let fee-for-service wither away and not have to worry about what we're talking about today should take this as notice that that this it is not the it, – it's an important part of Medicare program. As Katie said, half of seniors are enrolled. It is not going to replace the fee-for-service system and the stability that is needed for small physician practices who choose not to – who, who uh, choose to practice that way. Uh, it is – it is important, but it is not a replacement for having to deal with the problems that we're talking about today. And it sounds like you may be creating other problems or at risk of creating other problems. But step by step, we stand together and we'll address these issues. Look, this has been great. We're now coming to a close. So I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you to our panel for sharing solutions. We have heard a lot today from our experts. And through our questions, we have learned a great deal more about our collective efforts to reform our unsustainable Medicare payment system. The solutions we seek won't be found in any one session, but together, we'll keep working together to find them. The AMA will continue its advocacy, and we hope you will too. We need you to stand with us, to stand strong with us. Remember, we are 1.2 million physicians strong. And together, we can not only solve this problem, but we can solve all the problems that face our healthcare system. Thank you very much for joining us today. And thank you for your time. Let's make this happen together. Peace. This has been Moving Medicine a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe today to never miss an episode. Thanks for listening.